friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. Oh boy, I am so excited today. And you guys, you know what? I'm always excited, but today specifically because I have very good friends in our audience that I've known for so many years, and I can't even remember the first time I met them, but when I did, I knew that I would always know who they are and I would watch them from afar because they were far away. They were in Cambodia at the time and doing God's work like you wouldn't believe. Let me tell you about my friends. Don and Bridget Brewster are the co-founders of Agape International Missions, AIM. In 2005, they moved to Cambodia to fight against the evil of child sex trafficking. Together, they've built a ministry that is holistically fighting and preventing sex trafficking through the rescue, healing, and empowerment of survivors. Under Dawn and Bridget's leadership, AIM has grown to become a leader in the international anti-trafficking community and has been highlighted on CNN, ABC Nightline, Christianity Today, TEDx, and the Washington Post. Dawn and Bridget, welcome to my pink chair. How are you both? Thank Thank you. Yay! And I just feel this vibe in back of you. I see uh, a little picture of actually two right there with a turtle, with a sea turtle. So it sounds like you guys are close to the ocean right now. (laughs) We are. We are. Yeah. Lovely. And the the sunshine. So it's been so lovely. That's so awesome. So many people are like, well, whose aim? I don't, maybe I've heard of them. Maybe I have, maybe they saw your TED Talks, which I'm going to go peek because I'm jealous. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> but I really want to get down to the nitty gritty. First of all, how did you two meet each other? Because obviously this is like the dynamic power duel right here, right? The superhero meet superhero duel, right? Well, wait till you hear. <laughs> uh, we met in a bar. I was a bartender. Oh. And oh, you were a counselor, Bridget. <laughs> yes, I was. I was. It was just, yeah, it was, um, I was a single mom at the time, and I was doing this to earn extra money. And he would come in. His mom didn't drive, and she worked one of the anchor stores in the mall as a buyer. And so he would come to drive her home, and he'd stop it in to pick me up and or pick his mom up, take her home. And one day he asked me out, and I said no. Because she I, said it in a brutal way, you know, not like, I'm sorry, no, it was like tearing my heart out the way she said <laughs> no. I just, this but, needs you to know, I just, I just thought, you know, what I was going to do was I, I was going to get my kids grown and gone. I had gone to an all girls Catholic college, so I was going to become a nun when I got them raised and gone and, and just serve the Lord. Um, that's what I wanted to do. Of course, being a nun with taking a vow of silence. And, um, but it's <laughs> fun. But I did want to be married and grow old with somebody. Um, and so God gave me the desires of my heart that um, together we serve the Lord and we're growing, we're growing old together. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing about that. When Bridget finally said she would go on a date, she gave me 15 minutes. Have you ever heard of a 15-minute date? But that's what she gave me. She well, was I wasn't so sure tough. because, you know, I said I was going to be serving the Lord, and he didn't fit in at the time. Oh, wait, Bridget. What were you going to do in 15 minutes? Can I ask you, like, were you guys going to go for a walk? Were you going to go to see – couldn't see a movie, obviously. 
No, no, I we mean, were just going to sit um, and have a drink at this, um, there was a restaurant across the field from where my son was playing baseball because I had to get to his baseball game. So what happened? Was it 15 minutes? We're under suspense now here. No, it was. It was very quick. And then um, he asked me to go to a Jimmy Buffett concert. But before we oh, go to the not Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett, <laughs> no way. I love Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I know we do. Well, too. I'm wearing a shirt that matches his the way he is. <laughs> so yeah, so he said, well, before we go to the concert, why don't we go to dinner so we get to know each other better? And um, we went on this drive. It was like a 40 minute drive to this restaurant in Ithaca, New York. That was a farmhouse converted to really lovely restaurant. And on the drive, that like 40 minute drive to the restaurant and we were talking, I thought, oh God, I would love to marry this man. Would that be okay? And four months later, we were engaged and married within six months of that wow. first how real long? Day. Now, how long have you both been married? 32 years. Going to be 32. Wow. Did you just whisper that to him, Bridget? <laughs> I have a hard time since we crossed over 2,000 of keeping track of dates. So she was confirming with me. Um, yeah, we married in like, So what, what year was it? 1990. Okay. So, wow. You guys are, that's incredible. 32 years. You know, I, I just want to commend you for not divorcing. I'm sure you guys had some rough times in between there. Um, especially not just ministry but even before that like i don't know what you guys are doing your entire relationship but obviously did you guys have a family yeah 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 it was a blended family i came with the oldest and the youngest and then he has two in the middle so they're all like a year apart and they're so all the adults bunch. the yeah. brady bunch the brady yeah. bunch yeah. <laughs> one of my and now one we of have my favorite shows growing up you have what Twelve grandchildren and one twelve grandchildren. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah. let's let's dig into now, Bridget. I like that you said I, I I wanted to be a nun. I mean, I but God, can I marry this guy? Like, so cool. Like, obviously, God led you into a path of ministry. And how did you, you know, like understand each other to where you guys were both going to start doing ministry? And what's the story with discovering? the news about sex trafficking, the little children being sex trafficked. How did you guys get into what you're doing right now? Well, eventually, there's, there's quite a few steps between getting married and this step, but we were, we were on staff at a church in California, and we went to uh, Cambodia to uh, actually do some leadership training, and Bridget was going to work with kids, and... It was actually, it was a good trip in the sense like we were moved by so many people hungry for Jesus and wanting to be able, wanting to learn. And the kids that Bridget worked with were awesome, but there was a total oppression. I mean, it, you could almost feel it physically when we were there. And wow. when we got back on the plane to leave, Bridget said, thank God we never have to come back here again. Oh. <gasps> It was a rough trip. And, wow. Uh, but isn't that a testimony to her faith that when God called us to go there, she didn't hesitate a minute, going to a place she never wanted to go again in the world. 
And that's what a great woman I'm married to. That will follow God to the worst place in the world as far as she's concerned. But when we, and so we do nothing though about trafficking when we were there. People. So you weren't talk. you weren't shown that, were you? You just went there to do uh, leadership and min- and some ministry work with children. Yeah, and then we got back and we were back a couple of weeks. And we were about ready to go to bed, and there came on a, I think it was a Dateline special, Children yeah. for Sale in Cambodia. And so we watched it, and we were, like, shocked. I mean, places we were, they were actually selling children. I mean, we were floored by it. And, you know, and, we and, have four daughters. And yeah. Or three daughters, yeah. Don, can I ask you both a question? Because you sure. said you saw that Dateline special, you know, Children for Sale in Cambodia. You were like, whoa, those places, we were just there. Did you remember or have any flashes of, you know, remembering maybe a, a child in a window or maybe a child on the outside trying to get a donation or trying to solicit someone for money? Did you see any of that without realizing is that child trafficking? Well, we would see um, along the riverfront, they would have little little girls and boys um, selling books and little bracelets and and that was part of traffickers uh, exposing them to the public and grooming them to right. get into selling them. But we, didn't, didn't, realize. we didn't realize it. We had, you didn't realize we had, it. You just thought it's some cute little kids or mom and dad or maybe to try to make some extra money or something. Money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you didn't, you didn't, how old were the, the children that you saw by the river? Uh, they were about eight to 12 years mm-hmm. old, probably in that age range. Wow. Okay. What was yeah. the next step? I mean, you guys, I mean, obviously, Bridget, you looked back on the plane and uh, thank God we're never going to come here again. Like you guys saw that special when you landed a couple days after you landed. Is that correct? Yeah, it was two weeks after we landed and we were just horrified. And and the thought of somebody doing something to the children, I mean, they're, they're so teeny tiny, you know, and. When our van would be leaving villages, children would just be running after the van and waving at us for as long as they could see us. And they just broke my heart. And they were, they're just so, they were so tiny and so innocent and just so hungry for kindness and love and hope, you know, and that's what really struck us. And about the adults too, um, in that country. Um, But when we saw that, it was just horrifying that we, nobody was talking about it. Like nobody knew. No, and but we we said we felt like God was saying we needed to do something, but we didn't. And, and it was not to move to Cambodia. We were sure of that, but we <laughs> needed. But we needed to put together a team that had expertise that we didn't have, like uh, law enforcement people, uh, therapists, educators, and and so we brought together this team and we went back and we spent uh, we spent a couple uh, weeks just researching. We met with NGOs and there was nobody, there were people who were planning aftercare but hadn't started. Um, there was, we met with the government, we met with organizations that rescue girls, although they had stopped rescuing girls because there was no place to take them. They were actually going into prison, and oh. uh, 
Yeah, and it was so. After spending those two weeks there, we, we we knew what the greatest need was, and that was for an aftercare home. And uh, we we didn't know. Again, we were sure we weren't going, but we brought together what expertise it was. There wasn't much expertise. This was like 18, 19 years ago, right? There wasn't. Oh, I thought people. you were going to say eighteen ninety. You know, <laughs> I know I looked at old, but I was not around. <laughs> but the uh, uh, so so we actually thought we were part of a big church. We had a, like eight thousand attending on a weekend, almost that many. And so we thought God would call somebody from our church because we put together the plan to go back and do an aftercare and. Uh, we had lots of people that attended an information meeting, but nobody signed up. And then Bridget and I just went on retreat and prayed, and we thought. We prayed and fasted and said, do, do you want us to go, Lord? Yeah, and he said yes, yes, so we said yes. Wow. So you guys went on a retreat to seek God to see if he was talking to you or what yeah. he was going to say to you. and. How did that feel? Did you guys both get that same yes in your heart, in your spirit at the same yes. moment? Or was one the day after or one the day before? Or was it just unified? The deal was we were going out to dinner for our anniversary to this, my favorite Italian restaurant. And we said when we sat down at the table, we would give each other yay or nay. So we were seated and we were across the table from each other and we were like, one, two, three, yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and that was, it, I don't know if we both expected each one to say yes. You know, there was a little bit of surprise. I don't know why. You know, if, if it was a yes from God, he would have both our hearts knit in it. Yeah. So, but it was a little surprising at first. Uh, but uh, so we had this plan and we knew uh, we knew it would have to be modified, you know, which would write down on paper. But we knew it would be a good start. And uh, and basically we sold our house and almost all our other everything actually except a couple family things and some photos and uh, moved to Cambodia. Wow, you guys sold everything, huh? Except a couple suitcases, basically. Yeah, yeah that is that's really following the Lord. That's really following Jesus. Like, that's amazing. And that was how many years ago? 18, 19 years ago? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. And we were early nesters, uh, empty nesters early, which gave us the freedom um, to do that. And, and God had broken our hearts because we had worked in Sacramento with kids at risk and kids that we didn't realize at the time that trafficking, they were being sold. Right. Um, so it just, um, you know, being a mom and having children and thinking if somebody knew what was happening and I needed help and nobody would help me or my children, how would that make me feel? And that was a big contributor because we have um, three daughters and then we have seven, seven granddaughters. And it's just, 
and thank God I had family that helped me um, growing up, and I had that support system. And we saw in Cambodia there just wasn't much there for them. And then, um, yeah, God really just broke our hearts for well it, the issue. Bridget, Bridget's heart. Uh, Bridget had a tough childhood. She, her mom died when she was five. Her father died when he, she, uh, she was 16. 16. So 16. I had my grandparents and um, three aunts and my brother and two sisters that, you know, if I didn't have them, who knows what, you know, would, what would happen to me. Um, yeah, so, so. Yeah, her heart is so big because, honestly, she suffered so much as a kid. Uh, well, you did too. Well, yeah, but. We yeah, both, Don, let's we go. Both, let's we, let's talk about yeah, that. I, 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 I really think that's important because you. It's hard to have compassion if you don't understand that you needed it for yourself, right? And maybe it's not the exact same situation, but there's definitely a heart tug towards children because of what you both have went through. So, yeah. Bridget, obviously. Your mom died when you were five, and your dad died when you were 16. And yeah. so your your aunties and grandma had to raise you. And and like you said, thank God for your sister and your brothers, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I don't know what happened between that, but I do know that that is trauma. And that's, as a child, that's, <laughs> that is not something easy that a child can go through, losing parents like that. And being raised by a different member, and thank goodness you had those people. And Don, what happened with you, with your childhood that caused well, your childhood my, to be traumatic? My birth mom uh, was abusive to me, uh, uh, physically, but more, more emotionally. Like right. my grandparents on my dad's side, I really loved them and they were so good to me. But when I was, you know, four and five, when they would come to visit, she would say I was taking a nap, but she would lock me in the closet. Uh, yeah, which she did quite a bit. And it ended up my, my birth mom and dad divorced when I was five. And, you know, that was a long, that was in the late fifties. Uh, and my dad got custody, which was really rare. And uh, but we lived with my grandparents, and we were we didn't have much. Uh, but I didn't really know it, except that my dad felt guilty that we didn't have much. But we lived in a tiny little house with my grandparents, and they rented half the house out, and it was. But for me, it was transformational to be so deeply loved. My, uh, yeah. yeah, my grandparents were unbelievable. My, my grandfather is my superhero, you know, so. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's so good that you're, I, thank you for sharing that. I know those are sensitive spots and places, but I can tell that both of you are great grandparents. Because that was gifted to you. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're trying, you know, because 
a lot of um, our time when we were in Cambodia, that's when a lot of them were born. And so we've missed out on a lot of memories, but now with this part of life that we're in, we're making better connections and seeing more of them and talking more. So it's, it's good, but yeah, we, we've been blessed with grandchildren. We're just, they're the best. They are, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I pray for them every day, partly to memorize their names. You know, when you get past five, (laughs) you got to memorize those names. Right. (laughs) That's great. So, uh, you know what? I like that you talk. You were talking about just getting called, and you know how you assembled that team, and then you didn't know it was the head of the operation was going to be you guys, and you guys picked up, packed up your stuff, sold whatever you had both made together uh, in your both of your lives, and and decided to move to Cambodia. I can't imagine how scary that must have felt, but also exciting at the same time. Um, how does someone just move to Cambodia? You don't really know anybody there. You don't know how their government works or their police works because we hear stories about Cambodia, how crooked and paid off the police are. And this happens in a lot of countries, right? Right. countries. And also you don't know about the mafia there, the Cambodian mafia. I'm sure that they have one. I'm sure they have a lot of syndicate underground crime going on that uh, you're going to talk to those kids and try to help those children. But yet that was obviously in the back of your mind. Like, is this dangerous? Is this yeah. going to potentially risk our lives? Was that thought? And by the way, we have five minutes left. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we will definitely do a part two. So you guys that okay. are watching and listening right now, we are going to get into the story about Cambodia, but stay tuned. Can you tell us uh, the fear that might've got? came along or was there no fear oh, there was there was fear on several levels right there was and again the excitement like you said was great too but there was fear on two levels uh, right after moving we had a major donor say they weren't going to meet their pledge so we oh. were afraid like we are all the way over here and we, we don't have any you know, we're not going to get that money we're counting on. Uh, and the, and the, the, second, the second fear did come from, yeah, people, people didn't like us. And when we talk more about Cambodia, there was a period we went through when there was death threats on us and our staff. There was a village we moved to at one point to start a church and work on a prevention end uh, where Bridget couldn't walk down the street by herself. Uh, the government would turn off our water and electricity. Um, oh. And yeah, it was now if you, you can see that city, it was a hotspot for trafficking. If you could see it today, you wouldn't believe it was anything like that. It was totally transformed by Jesus moving in. Yeah, that's what that's what we said when we went into that prevention end is that Jesus visited these worst situations. Like Swipak, it was an epicenter for Southeast Asia trafficking of kids. People came and did ministry there, but they didn't stay. And you know, it was one day, it was one day. God seems to speak to me in the shower. A shower a lot. I'm running out of the door so many times. Oh my gosh, I've got this great idea. And 
And it was as if God said to me, the problem is Jesus visits there. He needs to move there. Yeah. And he needs to be right. And so that we started our work there uh, by planning a church uh, in this community. So yeah, starting different ministries to reach out. They were part of the church so everybody could see that the felt needs that were being met were being met by Jesus through his church. Absolutely. So I have a question about that. And I also want to know your guys' website. How can people get in touch with you? Well, they can reach us at uh, aimfree, A-I-M-F-R-E-E. Dot org. Yeah. Yes. And if someone would like to donate, because I'm sure they will, because the cause is very worthy, they can go to that same website, correct? Go to that same website, and it will be easy to find the donate button. We're really good at getting that up front. (laughs) Of course. So my question was, because we have two minutes now, and then we're going to do part two, is you, you talked about planning a church. How difficult was that, number one? But my main question is, Obviously, you guys, English is not their main language. So how did you guys just, hey, we're here. We're going to plant a church. Uh, If you don't speak English, though, you can't come. Thanks. See you guys later. (laughs) Obviously, that's not what happened, right? In our aftercare home, which is where we started, and we lived for five years, I met with the mail staff every day in discipleship. And one of those staff wanted to go to seminary to become a pastor. And so we supported him to do that while he worked. And so he had graduated seminary and wanted to be a pastor. But, uh, and so we asked him, and it's really remarkable that he said yes, because Swai Pak was primarily Vietnamese people in this Cambodian village. And he, he saw soldiers brutalize his family, Vietnamese, wow. when he was just five years old. Wow. And, and so he became a pastor to the Vietnamese. It's pretty, pretty remarkable. That's really awesome. Listen, you guys, I love you both. We have to we go. But okay. uh, I, w- I wanted to just thank you so much for coming on today. And we'll see you soon. And I cannot wait to hear part two of what really happened in Cambodia when you guys moved there because I want to hear all the details. We'll see you soon, okay? Okay, thanks for inviting us, Sandy. Thank you. Hi, friends. It's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair, and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here, the peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees. This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. I'm Nikki, I'm the Education Outreach Coordinator. Um, I've seen girls come in here and just broken, just in need of something. And we give them a gift box when they first arrive, and then the look on their face, because their traffickers taken everything from them, the look on their face is just amazing and precious. And just watching them grow in Christ throughout their journey here is incredible.
would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Thank you so much.